now i've given the topic temple of god in the scripture the phrase temple of god is interpreted in three different ways first the physical structure second the body of jesus third the believer's body now it's interesting to find that the shift was started by jesus but carried out by the early christians particularly i remember the event <clears throat> that took took place in the early church a person called stephen and he was a very intelligent person he was well versed in many subjects and he was a philosopher and he was able to argue with the theologians and philosophers of those days we read about this in acts chapter 6 there luke is talking about three different groups one in verse 9 he says those who belong to the synagogue of freed men liberated men that's one group another group and of the cyrenians cyrene is in another place and there was a philosopher group and they also argued with stephen then there were some from alexandria alexandria was another a center where intellectual people lived all these three groups cornered stephen but as the scripture says clearly he was able to tackle all the three groups because god's wisdom was given to him now what was the issue that they were talking about this is given in verse 13 this man this is the accusation this man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law for we have heard him say that this jesus of nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that moses delivered to us so the main accusation is that stephen was speaking up against the temple of god that was built in jerusalem he was also telling the people stop following the laws of moses particularly with regard to the sacrifices he said you don't have to sacrifice because jesus died as a sacrifice for your sins you just believe in the sacrifice of jesus and you will receive the forgiveness of sin so you don't have to go to the temple and offer sacrifice now the jewish leaders who got wild with jesus also got angry with stephen too they started arguing with him now as he argued in the jewish court 
which was called Sanhedrin, that passed the death sentence to Jesus Christ, Stephen was standing in front of the same group, arguing with them. After narrating the whole history of uh, Jewish community, he comes to the pivotal point, that is, in verse 49, chapter 7. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, what kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, and what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? Now he quotes verses from the book of Isaiah, and he says, what is the point in having the temple of God here? God's throne is in heaven, and it footstool, or just a stool, on the earth. So what kind of temple you're going to build so that God can dwell in the temple? Now, the whole thing started with Jesus Christ. He was the one who started giving another interpretation to the phrase or the imagery, temple of God. Of course, primarily, that meant the physical structure that existed in Jerusalem. The first temple was built by King Solomon and that was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BC. Then King Herod came. He wanted to build a temple. In fact, from the worldly point of view, he was a great leader. He was called Herod the Great, like Alexander the Great. He did many things, many good things, but he had uh, his own temperamental attitude towards other people. He killed his own wives, he killed his sons, and he killed many of the ministers. And we know he killed uh, the babies in the Bethlehem. But he was a builder. He took 46 years to build a temple a magnificent structure. Now, Jesus visits that place and he cleansed the temple. When people encountered him, he boldly said, he boldly made a statement, destroy this temple. I will build it in three days. Now, people said, it took 46 years. How can you build it within three days? John says, he was not talking about the physical structure, he was talking about his own body. That's what we have read in uh, John chapter 2 that was read to us today. Particularly, let me draw your attention to John chapter 2, verse 21, where we read, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. That is, you kill my body my physical body. On the third day, I will rise again. So he was talking about his own personal physical body. So now we have two concepts. One, the physical structure, the temple, where people thought God will come and dwell in that place. As we read in the prayer of Solomon, 
Lord, let your eyes be on this temple. People will come here for various reasons. When people come and cry here, hear the cry. When people seek your blessings, bless them. So let this physical structure be a place where people would receive your blessing. Yes, it was like that. But at the same time, when people started giving more importance to the structure, God was not happy. God was not happy. After all, it's a physical structure. When compared to God's glory, this is just nothing. God is everywhere. God is spirit. You cannot put God in a small structure. It has its own limitation. It has its own benefits, but at the same time, it has its own limitation. Now, when they had the temple, people wanted to come there and sacrifice goats, animals, and the birds, everything. Now, Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice. So, no more sacrifice. So, St. Stephen boldly said, we don't have to go and sacrifice. Jesus has put an end to the laws of Moses. Compared to Jesus Christ, Moses is nothing. Now, through Moses, we have many laws. And through Solomon and through Herod, we have a physical structure. Now, Jesus is talking about another temple. So in the early church, Christians had a shift from physical structure to another thing because Jesus said his own body is a temple. Now St. Paul picks it up and he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, we are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a new interpretation in the New Testament with regard to the temple of God. Now, particularly as we observe uh, Reformation Sunday, this is another main thing that uh, Martin Luther brought in. When the Roman Catholic churches started giving importance to physical structure, physical church, Martin Luther wanted to give another interpretation. He was not willing to give importance, undue importance to the physical structure. As you all know, Pope passed a new law. He said, we have to raise funds to build St. Peter's Cathedral. Even now it stands there. St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome. In order to raise funds, we will seek all ways, to raise, all means to raise funds. One of the methods that they adopted is that 
sell a certificate signed by Pope or the bishop so that people can buy the certificate for forgiveness of sins. The main aim was to build a cathedral, a physical structure. Okay? They could have adopted different means. But Pope chose this method. They, he called it indulgences. A small certificate that you can buy for some money so that your sins could be forgiven. Now Martin Luther objected to it. <clears throat> Why? A certificate or a piece of paper will not forgive your sins. It is Jesus who died for you. Only he can forgive sins. Not Pope. Not the bishop. Not the pastor. Even in CSI, many people think it's the pastor who forgives sin. No. It is God who forgives sin. That's why in Methodist Church, we allow lay people to conduct the worship service. They can pronounce the absolution. Because it is Jesus who forgives. The person who pronounces absolution, he just affirms God's forgiveness. He's just an instrument. He's just a voice. It is God who forgives. There is an interesting story about these indulgences, <clears throat> the certificate for forgiving sins uh, distributed by Pope. The priest used to take these certificates, go from one place to the other, sell the certificate, and raise money for building St. Peter's Cathedral. As he was advertising for the certificate and telling, inviting people to buy this uh, certificate, someone came with an idea and he asked him, Father, is the certificate valid only for the sins committed or is it also for the sins that you will commit in future? And the priest wanted more money, you see. So he said, no, 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 you can buy this certificate for committing future sins also. So that person bought a, bought a certificate and after collecting all the money, the priest uh, took the money and he was going back to Rome. On his way in a forest, some thieves counted him and asked the priest to give all the money. And the leader came forward and threatened the priest with a knife. Give me all the money. Then the priest said, you are committing sin. Don't worry, Father. I got the certificate for this sin also. <laughs> no, I don't know whether it's a true story or not, but this is what we leads to when we have false understanding. Okay? Wrong understanding. Now we see people giving importance to the structure, but we give importance to the people. It's not the structure. This is a place meant for people of God to gather and pray and worship God glorify God, 
receive God's blessing, receive God's word, and partake in the Holy Communion. So the shift from physical structure to the body started by Jesus Christ, carried on by Stephen and also by St. Paul. So he was, St. Paul was very, very clear that God is dwelling within us, within us. It's a powerful statement. Many a time people get confused in this world whether God is with us or not, whether we are, they are saved or not. I still remember one of my relatives, he was a secretary for 20 years. In those days, they, don't ha they didn't have this uh, six-year period and other things. Uh, they used to be for many, many years. So he was a secretary of a particular church for 20 years. Now what happened when he was 18? Some, I won't say, okay, another pastor, independent pastor, told him, unless you take immersion baptism, you will not be saved. So my uncle went and took immersion baptism. Within three days, he fell ill and died. So many people have this doubt. Am I a child of God? Oh, I'm making this mistake. I'm living here. I'm a member of this church. Do I have the Holy Spirit? Many people have this, all kinds of doubts. But the scripture is very clear. When you are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Spirit comes and dwells within you. Immediately people will ask me, <clears throat> what about children? Yes, we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But how do we know that the child has the Holy Spirit? I'll give you two verses. In Luke chapter 1, <clears throat> you can turn along with me because you can answer such people that we have a scripture basis for the connection between a child and the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 1, verse 15. He will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong wine, strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. This is very clear. With the, this is with regard to John the Baptist. It says, even when a baby is in mother's womb, before it is born into this world, Holy Spirit can fill that baby. Now, in the same chapter, verse 80, the child grew and became strong in spirit. So there is a close connection between the Holy Spirit and little children, even babies. Now in the same event uh, which happens uh, uh, when Jesus 
comes, uh, rides on a donkey and enters into the temple, again he cleansed the temple and said, this is the house of the Lord. Again the children were praising God. So some people came to Jesus and asked him, don't allow these little children to praise God. Now Jesus said, no, out of the mouth of babes, I will bring praise. This is what God said. So even children can praise God because there is a close connection between Holy Spirit and all those who receive baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the implication or what are the blessings that we receive when we hold on to this faith that we are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells within us? One, you will always, this, this, uh, the faith that God is with you will always strengthen you. It will affirm that you are a child of God. It will affirm that God is with you and he will guide you. He will enable you to experience his love, joy and peace every day, every minute. There is a story about an old woman. <clears throat> she lived in a city called Aberdeen. It is also called Granite City. <clears throat> and when an evangelist visited that place, they took him around. And after going around the city, he said, I see there is no slum here. So the person who took him around told him there is no slum here, but there are certain streets where poor people live. And he said, there is a woman whom I want you to visit. You will see that she is a real servant of God. So the evangelist agreed and they both went to one particular house. And as they entered, there was an old woman sitting in the hall and the evangelist and the other person had a conversation with her and the evangelist was able to see that her face was glowing, cheerful, happy, contented. So she, he knew that she was a real child of God. So in order to make a comment, he said, Madam, I believe that Jesus visits you daily. And the old lady said, no. And he was taken aback. What is this? I am making a big uh, compliment, statement of compliment. And she is saying, no, probably she misunderstood me. So he repeated the same question. Madam, I believe that Jesus visits you. Again, the lady said, no. Then the evangelist didn't know what to do, so he kept silent. And she explained it. He doesn't visit me. He stays here. <laughs> he stays here. What a faith. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, always hold on to this faith that Jesus is with you. God is with you. He has promised that. We are the temple of God. 
the spirit of god dwells within us he guides us his presence always strengthens us not the dimension of god's presence is that he makes us holy he makes us holy and affirms that we are children of god so think of the physical structure yes god used it at one time and now in the new testament period it is a place where people of god come and praise god physical structure was there then jesus gave a new interpretation my body is a temple of god now that theme was picked up by st stephen and st paul and they clearly affirm all believers are the temple of god dear brothers and sisters in christ you are the temple of god and the same affirmation is given in second corinthians chapter 6 there again st paul says you are the temple of god god dwells within you let's give a moment of silence thanking god for the wonderful message wonderful truth that we are the temple of god many a time we fret and fume many a time we are confused many a time we have a doubt whether we continue to be a child of god or not whether god is with us or not let's know for sure we are baptized in the name of the father son and the holy spirit god's spirit dwells within us our body is a temple of god as we partake the bread and wine through holy communion as the bread and wine goes into our body christ comes within us and dwells within us lord help us always to hold on to this truth o lord some people may boast about their beautiful structure but you affirm that our body is a temple you are always within us wherever we go wherever we stay whatever we do whatever we plan help us to realize that you are always with us the spirit of god dwells within us thank you for all the blessing that we receive by upholding holding this truth that you are within us in jesus name we pray amen